two, one. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Black Menaces Podcast. I'm your host, Nate Bird. I'm joined by my amazing co-host, Mr. Sebastian Stewart Johnson. Johnson. Always government name here. Always government name. Always government name. Always. Feels right. And uh, we have an amazing, amazing uh, guest here today with us, Mr. Maximiliano Coca. Okay, come on, Spanish. (laughs) (laughs) We're excited to interview Max. Me and him go way back to like what 2019? Yeah, just about we've known each other for yeah, that's crazy. Okay. So we've known each other for a while. We met in a dancing group. Um dancing and singing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I love being able to talk with Max about like cultural things because like I bring my my pro-black viewpoint to things, and you bring your pro-Latino uh, viewpoint to things, and like we can talk about it, and this is always a good time. So, it is a good time, honestly. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Excited to talk more about that and uh, just to learn more about you. Um, but before we do that, you know what it is. We got our Menace Moment, <clears throat> and this week we're going to actually do someone that was suggested by uh, my good friend Asher Head, who we interviewed on the last episode. He, uh, he talked about a woman named Polly Murray, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about why... Um, we're gonna we're gonna highlight her today in the menace moment. So, Anna Pauline or Polly Murray was a an American civil rights activist, advocate, legal scholar, and theorist and author. Uh, her work influenced the civil rights movement and expanded legal protection for gender equality. She was born in Baltimore, Maryland, on November twentieth, nineteen ten, and was raised in Durham, North Carolina, by her aunt. At age sixteen, she moved to New York City to attend Hunter College and graduated with a Bachelor of Arts degree in English in 1933. In 1940, she sat in the whites-only section of a Virginia bus with a friend, and they were arrested for violating state segregation laws. This incident led her to pursue her career goal of working as a civil rights lawyer. She enrolled at Howard Law and was the only woman in her class. She graduated first in her class, but was denied the chance to do postgraduate work at Harvard because of... Uh, yeah, was denied the chance to do postgraduate work at Harvard because of her gender. Um, she later coined a term to kind of name some of this prejudice against women. She call, called it Jane Crow, which is I thought was. Mm. Uh, she earned a master's degree in law at the University of California, Berkeley, and in 1965 became the first African American to receive a doctor of jurid, juridical science uh, from Yale Law School. Come on. After passing the California bar exam in 1945, she was hired as the state's first black deputy attorney general in January of the following year. That year, the National Council of Negro Women named her its Woman of the Year, and Mademoiselle Magazine did the same in 1947. Wow, let's go. Yeah. No, for real. Uh, Murray was the first black woman hired as an associate attorney at the Paul Weiss Law Firm in New York City and worked there from 1956 to 1960. Uh, she was the firm's second black associate after Bill Coleman. Wow. As a lawyer, she argued for civil rights and women's rights. She wrote a book called State's Laws on Race and Color, and Thurgood Marshall referred to this book as the Bible of the civil rights movement, <coughs> which is high praise coming from someone from like Thurgood what? Marshall. Right. From the Supreme Court? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Murray served on the Presidential Commission on the Status of Women under John Kennedy's appointment. She also co-authored the ACLU brief of Reed versus Reed with Ruth Bader Ginsburg which was a landmark case surrounding gender discrimination. She also worked in the legislation, um, or so she also worked on writing the briefs for Brown versus Board of Education, which was argued by Thurgood Marshall. Yeah. Um, and wow. was uh, instrumental in desegregating schools. Um, and then something unique about her, well, if all of this wasn't unique, we had something <laughs> else. Cool. This is the reason why Asher suggested her. Um, her sexual identity and gender identity did not fit with the prevailing norms. 
She had a brief, annulled marriage to a man and several deep relationships with women. Mm. In her younger years, she occasionally had passed as a teenage boy. A number of scholars, including a 2017 biographer, have retroactively classified Murray as transgender. Um, okay. But obviously there wasn't really language for that in the right. the 1910s when you know when she was born or whatever. Right. Um, she was an outspoken activist and a forefront at the forefront of civil rights movement, alongside such leaders as Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks. She coined the term Jane Crow, which I mentioned earlier, um, and demonstrated her belief that Jim Crow laws also negatively affected African American women. She was determined to work with other activists to put a halt to both racism and sexism. And that's actually something that I've become much more aware of in recent years. Um bell hooks so i think you put me on the bell hooks bell hooks is crazy but she's something else and i had never immediate like, feminist after reading anything about her absolutely immediately. <laughs> so maybe that's the recommendation for this week is read some bell hooks in Got honor to. of Polly murray and I read about Polly murray too but um yeah just like reading about that and realizing oh yeah like the civil rights movement was good but it was still very like male dominant mm -hmm. like it was all about equality but it was men running things right. and they weren't really concerned about like equality for women and mm -hmm. i've heard talk about you know um how black women kind of had to choose between the civil rights movement and the suffrage movement right and like the civil rights movement mm -hmm. won yeah um but yeah uh and i, I you know I, I don't think that that's like something that's unusual i'd imagine like in pretty much any movement mm -hmm. that's going to be the norm yeah. you know is that like women are going to take a back seat while you know equality rights or whatever those things are taken care of and then you know, as an afterthought, maybe mm -hmm. you know, women become the focus, and that shouldn't be the case, right? right? Can uh, I anyway. add something real quick? Yeah, absolutely. Just about my favorite Bell Hooks. Come on. There's um part of one of her books that I read. She talks. It was one of my favorite things actually. Is she calls out all the men in the civil rights movement? She calls out MLK. Yep. She calls out Malcolm X. The only person that she really couldn't call out was James Baldwin. Yeah, because James, James Baldwin, Baldwin was, was that cool. guy, and yeah. so and he he was just so good. And she was like, okay, him, yeah, he was pretty pretty great, mm -hmm. but like. She calls out all these men for like their misogyny yeah. in different ways. Like, so like she mentioned specifically part of Malcolm X's book that was like, you know, very wow. misogynistic. And so that's our dog. <laughs> um, but like it's just very interesting. Anyways, read Bell Hooks immediately. She will make you a feminist overnight. Absolutely. And yeah, you can check her books out at the local library. So and you can. <laughs> Max, did you have anything you want to add before we go on? No, this is super intriguing. I like, <laughs> you know, a lot more details and yes. I like this. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. I mean, and this is like, I'm educating myself here too because I knew nothing no, right. about this. No, I had never heard her name until mm -hmm. Asher mentioned it last week. And then, so now here I am. Um, so listeners, take note. When you watch those interviews online and those people, they don't know the answers to these questions. This is how easy it is to get answers. For I went to real? Wikipedia and mm -hmm. one week later, here I am learning about <laughs> Polly Murray. It's not hard. So all y'all in the comments defending these people, don't do it. Don't Google do it. is free. Right. I Google it. Extremely free. Like, it's free 99. Okay. <laughs> um, so here's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end it out with a quote from her. Uh, she gave a speech in 1964 in Washington, D.C., and it was titled Jim Crow and Jane Crow. And it shed light on the long struggle of African-American women for racial equality and their later fight for equality among the sexes. Um, she said, not only have they, referring to black women, stood with Negro men in every phase of the battle, but they've also continued to stand when their men were destroyed by it. The black women decided to continue standing for their freedom and liberty, even when their men began to experience exhaustion from a long struggle for civil rights. Hmm. These women were unafraid to stand up for what they believed in and refused to back down from the long and tedious battle. Uh -huh. One cannot help asking, would the Negro struggle have come this far without the indomitable determination of its women? And she said a word. And that's that was very heavily paraphrased. Mm -hmm. But 
Y'all need to, to look Oof. into some Polly Murray because I'm I'm she's inspiring. Come on. That is Polly Murray. That's our minutes moment for this week. Hope y'all learned as much as I did. Um that was a good minutes moment. It, that was solid. That, that was that was good. Yeah. And uh you got the minutes moment next time. Yeah, period. Cool. <laughs> All right, and uh we're gonna jump into our, our interview with uh with Max, but before we do, I think you have a guest that you want to introduce. Yeah, I do. Um, <laughs> how do I show it to the oh, camera? Just, just yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so my little puppy, her name is Rhea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look. <laughs> so Rhea, she goes with Max everywhere, pretty much. Yeah, she even sings with me. Yeah, yeah. She's, uh, she's adorable. And if you hear her bark, just know that she's protecting all of us. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, um, you know, Max, just to jump into it, just kind of tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're mm-hmm. from, what you do, anything you want to share, and then we'll just we'll start jumping off with the questions. Yeah, for sure. So, mi nombre es Maximiliano Coca. Come on. Um, and I I was born and raised in Provo, Utah. I did move uh, to different places. I the next place we moved to was El Paso. I, was, I think I was like seven years old, and then when I turned eight, we moved back to Utah. But then we moved back to New Mexico. So it was just like we're mm. just jumping all over the place. Mm. And then after New Mexico. We moved to Utah again, back to Provo. Um, and then there was a there was a moment where my parents wanted me to go to uh, to school in Mexico. Mm. So for middle school, uh, we took a year over there, and uh, my dad was working construction in Wyoming, so he took advantage of that traveling, you know, mm-hmm. getting paid a little bit more. Yeah. And uh, the rest of our family moved to Chihuahua, Mexico. Oh, wow. So we That's we had cool. a little little house there and went to school there. Um, then moved back to Provo, had high school here. Uh, I served a mission, uh, LDS mission in North Carolina. Um, so when you mentioned Durham, I was like, yo, Durham is the best. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, I served there. So okay, it was really cool. Cool, cool experience. Uh, great. Uh, you learn a lot, you know. Mm, and um, uh, what else? I've been playing. I played trumpet. I played trumpet since I was in third grade. That's cool. That's Started cool. singing after the mission. So mm. that's what... You know, when you talk about passion, that's my passion. You know, yeah. I, I love to sing. I love to express who I am and uh, who my people are through through song. That's cool. So, so that's what I do. And uh, and yeah, just dreaming and getting things done. You know, that's a little bit about me. Mm-hmm. Um, amazing. That's what's up, man. I love that. That's amazing. No, I was oh, just saying okay. that's dope. Yeah, that's that's cool. I actually didn't know you played the trumpet, so that's cool. I feel like maybe I see. I don't know. That's anyway. such a cool, unique skill yeah. as Yo, well. And it got me. I I loved it because um, when I was a kid, obviously I picked it just because it had three buttons. That's what I said. That's I was like, it has three buttons. No big deal. Like I'm a, I'm gonna figure this stuff out because before I wanted to play the saxophone, but they weren't available. So I was okay. like, all right, I'll get on trumpet. Well, that's, that's too many buttons anyway. Yeah, no, too many, huh? <laughs> but um. But in high school, everything changed because uh, that's where I got deeper into classical music, but also jazz. Mm-hmm. And, oh, yeah. and a lot of our assignments were studying jazz artists. And mm-hmm. um, I remember in school, the, <laughs> a lot of the students, you know, they, it, was, it, was, it was really cool because um, all the students, basically, it was rare that you saw a person of color where, where, right. where I went to school. So yeah. um, especially in band. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> sometimes I felt like I was the only Mexican there, you know, but <laughs> there were a few more, you know. Yeah. And um, but I got deep into jazz and studying jazz artists like um, there's 
uh, who uh, Miles Davis. My, oh, Miles Davis Coleman, was one John of Coleman. one of my favorite ones. His yeah. album Kind of Blue, Freddie Freeloader. I had to learn that solo. Oh wow! So it was just like That's cool. And and Miles Davis was he's a cool cat. Like oh, he's yeah, really absolutely. cool. And um, there was also Clifford Brown. Clifford Brown was also one of the best trumpet players. Um, uh-huh. I I always felt like. I loved listening to Arturo Sandoval because he was the only like Latino guy. I was like, yo, this guy's yeah. Latino. Like, mm. let me get in on this, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. And uh, he was really good friends with like Dizzy Gillespie. Okay. Um, and uh, Dizzy Gillespie's wild. Oh, like, yeah. he's so good. You know, mm-hmm. he's the one with the with the lifted up trumpet to a 45 degree angle. Yeah, yeah. So, sorry, making, Mike, I'm, I'm such a nerd. No, you just nerd out on it, though. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah. But yeah, so I studied a lot of them and studied their lives. And, cool. you know, all this was underground. Like, this was like the hip hop back in the day. And yeah. it was just like so cool seeing, mm. you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of parents like give trash to to the music nowadays, but they love listening to jazz. They love right. listening to all this stuff. I was like, yo, but that was it. That was like low key the hip hop. That was the underground yeah. stuff. Like yeah. that was the thing that was condemned that you shouldn't listen to. Yeah. So, you know, it was really cool, like studying that history behind it. Absolutely. That is cool. Yeah. No, I just uh, first off, that's dope. Playing trumpet and like the way that connects with jazz is just crazy. Mm-hmm. I feel like playing jazz is one of the most unique skills. Yo, you, because it's such like a beautiful, but like it just intertwines. Anyways, that's a different rant. But I feel like I it's gonna, like the purest form of art. It is like it's just because it's literally you're coming up with it as you play straight it. Straight improvised. Is it's crazy. Yeah, that's a different level of talent that mm-hmm. I just don't have. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just don't real. have it. I was also gonna say it's also cool because you kind of made mention of like. The representation aspect of um the latino artist yeah like it's just cool like little things like that like seeing somebody that looks like you and is similar to you it just changes your respect viewpoint and drive and anyways i just thought it was a cool thing to mm-hmm. point out a little bit more absolutely man yeah so that's a cool fact to learn max plays the trumpet i'm gonna right. hear it sometime i know you have an amazing voice i've heard you sing and every yeah, time i appreciate I'm like, it man, this dude right here man this is like <laughs> When when I was in Texas and I would see them like big old dudes in their lifted trucks just playing like banda music. I'm Yo, like, that's me, bro. That's like, me. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm killing out, making a lot of smoke. Absolutely. You know, my cut. That's what we say. Love it, love it, love it. But if I could ask, just tell us a little bit more about like what it was like mm-hmm. growing up Latinx in Provo. Right. I guess in like the early 2000s. Yo, so actually... Um, I loved not trying to go back to jazz, but going back to jazz, no, like on, that yeah. was a refuge for me. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Um, I actually <laughs> I music skipped, is how I got through. My I skipped a lot of yeah. high school, okay. and I actually didn't go to class. But That's I didn't real. do anything interesting. We just went out to eat as friends or play some video yeah. games. But or I just skipped and went to the band room. You That's know, real. and it was just really cool. Just like because that was like a refuge for me. You know, where I could yeah. refuge in music. Mm-hmm. Um, but growing up in Utah was. Man, it was interesting. You know, I remember elementary school. Um, that was the elementary school I grew up in was on the west side of Provo. A lot of uh, there were a lot of people that came from California. So I was a little bit more comfortable there. That's like cool. there were Mexicans, there were mm-hmm. all kinds, you know, races. And we just had so many friends and it was, it was a good time. Um, but uh, just growing up, um, <laughs> It was just interesting experience because after we moved from from Franklin Elementary, um, I remember going to third grade in Rock Canyon, and obviously I don't a lot of people aren't going to know that, but right. it's in the north part of Provo, mm. and that was because my mom was a crossing guard, 
And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, she, she was a crossing guard in that area. So she just decided to move us to that school. She's like, you know, it's probably a better school, better environment. I mean, my mom always told me, she's just, you know, cause there were like gangs over there. Like I remember my, my <laughs> uncle giving me like this feel. I was like, bro, we're in Provo. Like, right, you, kidding me? Provo like you know, but, uh, but <laughs> anyways, growing up there, um, I actually didn't have a good experience there. Mm-hmm. Um, it was all white. I was the only Mexican there. Um, and I remember like one of one of the first moments I had was actually my my teacher. She uh, we were in a parent teacher conferences and um, it was just like all negative things. And like your son talks a lot, like he never pays attention in class. And I got the scolding from my parents. Like mm. you grew up colored, like you grew up good. Like <laughs> or you had like that chancla or whatever, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, and obviously the dad and the belt and oof. But um, <laughs> well, but I, I, I did get a good, I, I did get a good uh, discipline or whatever, you know, you call it. But um, mm. it was just interesting because like I heard her talk to other families and other like there was a there were other kids that I hung out with and they talked just as much as I did. Yeah. You know, and they did just as much as I did. And she just like praised them. Yeah. And I always felt like, you know, why me? You know, what what yeah. did I do wrong? You know, so it was and that was just as a kid. I was innocent. But I looking back, it's still like, you know, it's still yeah, it's still like now I'm recognizing all that and it's just like part of me and um, that went, so all those kids um, went to the same high school and that's the high school I ended up going to. Um, and that was, I'm not going to lie. I, it just all started growing and uh, there was a point where I just felt ashamed of being Mexican, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you meet, you meet if you if you meet a lot of my friends or like Nate, you know me, like yeah. I'm one of those that doesn't give a crap, but like I blast my music, you know, and I'll let people know that the Mexicans in town, like, but but there was a moment where I was I was ashamed, like um the way they talked about, you know, Im- immigrants in mm-hmm. history class mm-hmm. and uh the, the title of just being illegal aliens is just right. like yeah. You know, that's what I thought, you know, that's yeah. what I thought my people were. I thought we were, they, you know, they called me in high school, like dirty Mexican, even if they said it like innocently, like it uh-huh. still affected me. I still felt ashamed, you know, yeah, absolutely. or like even wet back. Uh, so, um, yeah. you know, and, and even if it, you know, was threatening or non-threatening, just them calling me that, like, you know, I, yeah. I even had a guy come up to me one time and he was in the band, mm-hmm. you know, and he's like, you know, Max, I like you. You know, I like you. You're not like the other Mexicans. And I was just like, yeah, and I laughed it off. But yeah. but I was just like, yo, like, yeah. you know, it you was. internalized that stuff. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and it stays with you. And yeah. um, like, even though you try to laugh it off because you're trying to fit in, because at that time I didn't know who I was, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I tried to be a person. I honestly, I tried to be white, you know, yeah. um, there's no other like yeah. way to say it. And I was, mm-hmm. I was really ashamed of being of being Mexican and um, it was, um, other than that, like I did have a wonderful experience, like, you know, in, in, in school. And I think it was just like, my biggest highlight was actually just the music part, Yeah, you know, but, but that's how it was growing up. Like, you know, I was living two lives back at home. I had to speak Spanish. I'm, Mm. you know, that's where, that's where I listen to the music I want to listen to when I'm outside. I'm listening to, you know, what was, 
Owl City. <laughs> yeah, or what did, what did I listen to in high school? It was like Coldplay, Muse. Okay, Even though I yeah. like them, but you know, they're yeah, white. But, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I haven't heard the name Muse in forever. You know, and, and then back in the day, I had a neighbor, and uh, he was like hell into punk. So it was just like mm. Green Day, you know, getting into yeah. like Pierce the Veil, Panic at the Disco, just like. But That's funny. but I mean I did have all those cool phases that yeah. actually helped me out in music and, and yeah. is helping me out right yeah. now in music. Yeah. So I could see how you know God changes um hmm. difficult circumstances and hard circumstances into um into huge strengths later on, like you know, with listening to music, um and I, I I just go back to music because uh, that was just a big refuge of mine. I listened to so many things. I I was able to express emotions through through so many things, you know. And uh, mm-hmm. it was it was a good refuge for me, that's you cool. know. Okay. So that's how it was, you I know, growing that. up. And yeah, I was just thinking about why you were talking because I was talking about this the other day, how like a slow degradation of yourself by other people is still like equally or potentially more traumatizing than a one instant of mm-hmm. a thing. You know what I mean? Like being like degraded in your individual identity every day plays such a large toll yeah. on you. And you don't, you don't even sometimes recognize until later on. You're like, wow, like being called X, Y, or Z every single day and having to laugh it off because how else are you going to defend yourself when there's, when you're the only like, person of color in the room in your case you're the only mexican person in the room and everybody's laughing at you so what else do you do besides try to laugh too because you can't fight everybody and you're a child and so your child's psyche can't even mentally comprehend what's actually occurring you know mm-hmm. anyways i'll just talk about this slow slow degradation though because it's so real and it hits you so hard and you sometimes you don't realize it's hitting you until you get to a point of like man like what the fuck is going on and you're like oh well <laughs> for the last 10 years of my life you know what i mean so yeah it, but it's it, and it, that point happens when you're about to blow up on everything yep. you, you know you're, you're hitting a lot of bad <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. and that's yeah. not that's not good you know another good uh, i was just thinking another another refuge and i don't want to make it sound like i was the only mexican in my high school you know but there were a lot there were um but it wasn't like in each individual class, sometimes you were the only one. Yeah. For sure. Does that make sense? No, and, absolutely. Yeah. But it was it was cool to also know that you weren't alone, but you had those, um, that you had your friends. But I also, it, it was just so divided. Like the the Polynesians had their section, the Mexicans mm. had their section. Mm. Obviously, the white people were just all all <laughs> centered around. And, you know, it was, you, you could see a lot of friends groups changing. Like you see some kids, like they're hanging out with the Mexican kids and, now they're hanging out with the white kids. Now they don't even talk. And it's just yeah. like, and you know, sometimes I felt like I was one of those. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, um, but yeah, just a. Yeah. That's real. Do you feel like looking back, um, and you know, there's no right answer, but do you feel like looking back that has presented pain inside of you of like, man, like I, you know, was separate from my group of people for a time period or, you know, like, how does that, you know, when you look back at it, does that, what, what feelings does that create? You know what I mean? Yo, it's, it's all feelings, yeah. it's feelings of anger, feelings of guilt too, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. regret. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, but, but like looking back it, um, I can't deny, I also did have a good time you know, because in those moments, sure. you, you you don't recognize how much it is really, really affecting you until you have that 
identity crisis. And mm. I know a lot of people go through it, especially when they're turning more like 18, 19 of right. who am I? Mm -hmm. You know, why am I here? What am I getting done? You know, and right. and that's where it, it it really hits you. But yeah, it just brings all those emotions. Um, there was a point where <laughs> like I just hated white people. It's mm. real. And and it was after like me recognizing all this stuff and I needed to obviously <laughs> calm down, you know, and, yeah. and, um, and, and start over and, you know, start, start loving, but also not, not taking away of the pain that I did feel. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely, um, absolutely. And, and standing up for now what I believe in and protecting who I need to protect, yep. you know, and, and my identity, who I am, where I come from is a big part of what I need to protect. Mm -hmm. Um, so and that's why i say like it brought me down that much and it gave me pain it gave me anger it gave mm -hmm. me anguish um i i suffered from depression and a lot of it was because of that you know i yeah. i did i you know even after the mission i did have problems with like suicide and just like yeah. those thoughts and they get to you mm -hmm. and and a lot of that had to do with like me not i never knew who i was when i was a kid i tried to live two lives like mm -hmm. you know and um mm -hmm. It just it, you get to that point where you're just like, yeah, you want to break. Yeah, you know? no, heard. That's very valid, very real. <clears throat> like, um, yeah, I think it's interesting because it's like every most people of color and black people I've spoken to about identity crisis or just honestly about like facing racism. There's always that, and Nate has talked about this too. Mm -hmm. Um, is there's that point you reach where it's like, wow, it's I can't stand any of you. And it's not because yeah, you individually did anything to me, you yeah. as a person, but it's like as a group, my whole life, I feel like I'm looking back and all I see is pain, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like you have to kind of find this segue of I have so much anger, but figuring out how to use it, you know what I mean? And also how to heal from it. And it's a very hard thing. And I don't know if you don't really just, it doesn't just happen in an instant, right? It's a progression over time, but it's so very real though. Like, that phase, and I, I I talked about it today on my Instagram, actually, which is, I think, it's kind of funny. Because somebody asked me, like, okay, what is the best advice for supporting a Black friend? And I think this goes for most, you know, just people of color in general, is I put, like, first just listen to them. I was like, even if they say, I can't stand white people right now, just hear them out. Yeah. Because it most, first off, it probably has nothing to do with you because they're talking to you about it. And, like, and so I just was like, you know, even if somebody says that exact phrase know that like it's not coming from a place of anger it's coming from a place of pain really yeah you know what i mean it's not like i hate you individually because you suck no it's become it's coming because they are hurting so much mm -hmm. um yeah. and anyways you, it's you, just interesting i i talked about that today no yeah absolutely and you're gonna hear most people of color say something along those lines for like, sure oh, white people i hate white people i can't stand white people right um and yeah, it's not like a specifically we hate this one individual person. Like we understand that there are plenty of good white people out there, but we also understand that white people have been a significant source of pain for people of color, right? Not just in our own personal lives, but like throughout the history of the world, and we right. carry that history with us, right? Um, but I wanted to to kind of bring up this. I wrote a paper on this in in college, and I I've talked about it before, but I found I just I looked it up now. It's the um, the stages of racial identity development. And mm. You've heard me talk about this before mm -hmm. too. But it, I think it's so applicable here because there's kind of like these different stages, right? So you start off with ethnic awareness, and um, which is basically just like neutral feelings or positive feelings about all ethnic groups, little exposure to prejudice. That's like when you're you know, still very small. 
And then there comes a point where like you realize that you're different, right? Um, and then when that happens, you're like, oh, well, I'm different. I don't want to be different in that way. So then you start to assimilate. And so like the second stage is assimilation to dominant culture. Um, you view white people as positive and then you have like a negative viewpoint towards other ethnicities, maybe including yourself or your own. And it may not necessarily be like a, a conscious thing that could easily be a subconscious thing, like mm -hmm. things that you internalize, which I definitely experienced and mm. sound like you experienced that too, Max. And I mean, pretty much every person yeah, of color, right? Happens, right? Um, <clears throat> and then there's like a social, socio-political awakening, which is where you start to have those negative views toward white people and you start to become like more positive towards other ethnicities or other, you know, groups of color. Um, and then there's the pan-ethnic consciousness, um, which is like partiality towards your own ethnicity or identity. Um, and then ethnocentric realization, where you view yourself and other communities of color as empowering. And then there's incorporation, which is where you like learn to um, kind of like separate parts of your identity and learn to like work with white people i guess mm -hmm. in a way um and so you, uh, and then you know once you do that then it kind of goes into like the the self-actualization kind of thing where it's like you start to kind of like reach out once you kind of get away from that internal like struggle then you start to yeah. reach out and do other things and so you see people like you know civil rights activists or or people um you know who were on the front lines they've kind of reached that point of like being able to go outward and like they've they've won that internal struggle if that makes sense and so yeah, like with black ministers, I think that's part of what we're done is like we've taken that internal struggle and started to like push it outward. Um, yeah, and it's I think it's super important to especially like educate through our personal experiences, you know. Absolutely. And you know, one one of the things too is just like also remembering, um, because obviously, yeah, the majority of it was like <laughs> pretty bad experiences, but there mm -hmm. were also good ones, mm -hmm. you know, that I had great experiences, like you know, one of our neighbors. Um, my when we moved to Provo, back to Provo, this guy was a bishop in the LDS ward. Mm. We didn't know, and my dad, my dad at the time just left New Mexico. My dad hated white people too. Like he's mm. just leaving that experience. He he hated white people, and especially working in construction, mm. it's a dog world there. Like yeah. you know, um, it's yeah, they sure fight, the it's everything. Treated. So it's yeah, yeah and um. But uh, it was just an interesting experience because that bishop called him to be a counselor in a in the ward. We were gonna go to the Spanish ward or whatever, mm -hmm. and uh, he um <laughs> he got called as bishop in a completely English ward. My dad didn't speak any English. He just Whoa. he denied it. Like he didn't even want to get his citizenship till like two years ago because he was that. scared Whoa. about Donald Trump. So he was just like, <laughs> I'm gonna get my citizenship, bro, because yeah. he's been living on just residency. But yeah. uh, anyways, yeah. it was it this is another crazy experience. Um we remember when they were sustaining him. Mm. We we sat in the back corner. I still remember this and um they just said hey we 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 want to sustain Eliezer Coca. That's my dad's name. We want to sustain him as a second counselor in the bishopric. And we just stand up like the whole family stands up. He he made us all stand up because we should be him. But that's my pops. Like, you know, that's we all cool. stand up, you know. Yeah. But um, <laughs> then you just hear this huge gasp. Hmm. And it's just like a... <gasps> it wow. was, yo, it was, it was so interesting. But that was my dad's moment to be outward. Mm. Um, right. 
and he he educated a lot of people a lot of people's thoughts about who we are as people as mexicans and all that stuff changed and mm -hmm. now now growing up in that neighborhood like they love us you know and 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 they love you know and it was just cool seeing seeing my dad take that experience take that hate do an outward thing and educate people let them know who we are yeah. And, yeah. you know um and i think that's important especially in utah because people are cultured you know here in the, in the and you know that's it it causes problems yeah. <laughs> you know they're they're just yeah. stuck in that bubble and <clears throat> mm -hmm. oh man but yeah it was that was just a an experience just remembering that to, to remember those good experiences too because um it'll help you out in the future because when you want to be outward you want to touch everybody you know um and and i think that's that's a that's a super important thing. And I, I feel like I'm at that point now too, like, especially this year, um, made it a goal to myself to prove it to that little Brown kid, mm. you know, and obviously that little Brown kid is me, right? you know, and right. um, mm. it starts out with me, but it's also proving it to, to that little black kid, to that little Asian mm -hmm. kid, you know, um, there's a quote Joe DiMaggio said, he says, there's a kid out there in the stands looking at me. I owe him my best. You know, Kobe Bryant said the same thing when Vanessa Bryant was saying, mm. um, my husband never missed a game. You know, he didn't, he hated missing mm, games. Yeah. You know, even if he was injured, he dislocated a hand, a finger, whatever he played. Mm. And she's like, because somebody, especially a kid, mm -hmm. is paying money to, to see, see me play. Yeah. You know, and and I and I feel that, and I know y'all do too. It's just like, there's a little kid out there, you know, that he's looking at me and he's like, yo, he's my color. Mm. You know, or she's my color and they're doing it. That's my hero, like, you know, and, and it gives them that light that, you know, you're not alone in this and we're, you know, together we can make it happen. And being that example, I think it, that's what fuels me, you know, and it's, real. And it's, it's awesome. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. I was um, <clears throat> thinking about what you were talking about. And I think too, is like interesting that like, you can kind of go through those, you, you, I think you go through the stages and kind of like circle back to certain ones at certain mm -hmm. moments. Yeah. Right. Like I know for me, I think I'm circling back at the current <laughs> moment. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> And um, it's not a linear journey. Like, it's not. Yeah, it's it not just linear. goes around, and you're Absolutely. just jumping around. And I mm -hmm. and I remember the other day, like maybe a month or two ago, I don't remember. I remember I was really contemplating giving up activism. I didn't even tell you Nate this name. Mm. I was just like, man, this shit is tiring. It's mm -hmm. emotionally draining. And too. I was just yeah. like, I don't know. And I, this was like right <laughs> before, right after the stuff that happened with the harassment stuff for me. And so, especially, I was like, okay, I'm cool. This has been fun. I think I'm gonna hang my hat up, like. I think I'll just do something else. And then I was out and about and this person came up to me and for like five minutes straight just told me like how grateful they were for me and like how I had helped them and da-da-da-da-da. And then I was like, okay, maybe I'm not done. You know what I mean? Because it was that moment of like you, somebody is seeing themselves in you and like how that can positively impact them. Like one of the only reasons I'm an activist, I would say, is because I watched other you know, like black and brown people growing up be like, well, okay, like, so we could stand up or we could fight back or we could lead. Um, but it's just very interesting because I feel like in my personal life, as I wanted to give up, somebody that was watching me is the reason I didn't end mm. up stopping activism. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it's all very interesting how I think they all intertwine and how the stages go back. I would say, I'm, like I said, I'm circling back right now. Mm. But anyways, for me, my, my little brother is my hero. So I, I prayed 16 years for this guy to be born, mm. you know, yeah, like, so I, I grew up with three sisters, you know, and uh, it was just, um, 
he was he looks at me he's like dude you're like my hero you're my champion and i'm, I'm cool. just like i'm a piece of shit like yeah <laughs> you know and, um another thing that i was i was just thinking on and that that goes back to that like identity you know who i am and and the circling which by the way sometimes we it obviously it doesn't feel linear and we're circling and we're going sideways and and this but we're progressing mm -hmm. and accepting that is is a beautiful thing to to grow is that right. you know when even when you're working out muscles you're tearing those you know you're you're getting torn apart and um it's just it's interesting but one of the things was um i was going back to it all starts out with the home i don't know if that makes sense like obviously yeah at school and all that stuff i had a, you know it was um you you do have problems with the culture and all that stuff but it was also growing up uh since i had two lives i had the my mexican side like you know you grow up in a mexican household you know and and my dad just to say it in a few words, like he disciplined me well. And um, a, a discipline that, you know, affected me, you know, and, and traumatized me too. Yeah. Um, it, growing up, it was, even if I heard the name Maximiliano, I had shivers down my spine. To this day, I still do, you know? Mm, and awful, um, awful. and uh, it was... My dad, yeah, he was a loving dad, super loving, but also he, it was hard too because he was like that, you know, like a football coach, you know, he always mm -hmm. tells you the opposite for you to get mad and and and, and succeed, you know, mm -hmm. kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But for me, that's not how it worked. Yeah. You know, it, it brought me down even worse. Yeah. You know, and, and I, now I'm, now I'm just like growing up with that, you know, yeah. always never thinking I was good enough for my father. <sighs> You know, and and you get to that point where you just break, and and mm. and and then that adds up with the problems that you're already dealing with in school, and you're just like, man, you know, and and I know a lot of people, especially people of color, relate to that, especially a, a household that's it's difficult to live in. Oh, yeah, you know, absolutely. there are, there are moments, you know, but one thing I do do love about you know my family is that we work through it. You know, um, we, we, we're working through it. You know, we obviously we have our problems, you know, but we work through it and um, we've grown a lot as a family. Um, but one of those things is because us as kids started having our voice, mm. you know, and um, there was a moment where I was going through just heavy, just heavy, heavy depressions and um, had a had an interesting experience in New York because I was living in New York at the time. But I had a buddy that just told me, he's like, dude, I'm the last person that should tell you this, but I think you should move back to Provo and kind of amend things with your dad. Yeah. And because because before that, we we had a we had a fight. You know, we were about to throw hands. And mm -hmm. um, it was it was just hard because like my mom had to get in it. And anyway, I told him I was just like, you're just not going to talk to me like that anymore. You know? And um, it was the first time I stood up for myself. Hmm. And maybe the situation wasn't correct. I don't know, but I stood up for myself. Right. You know? Right. And um, going back, when I went back, um, I knocked the door, went back in, and I first person I talked to was my father. And, um, and I told him, hey, man, like, I'm not going to lie to you. You're one of the main reasons why I have depression. You know, you're one of the main reasons why, you know, I even never thought I was good enough and never felt like I was loved. Um, and, and I felt suicidal. I, I wanted to commit that, you know, and, um, 
Mm-hmm. I, I just opened up to him. I was just like, I, I never felt like I could add up to you. I never felt like I can live up to your expectations. You know, you grow up Mexican. You have to be hard. You can't break an ankle. You mm-hmm. walk it out. You know, mm-hmm. I learned I learned what hard work is, you know, like real, real hard work. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you just can't complain. You can't express those emotions. So when I was telling him this, like... It was it was relieving just letting all that out, you know, and yeah. and, and and letting him know that. But at the same time, um, right after I, I spilled all that, um, I told him something and I told him, but you know what? At the end of the day, it's all my fault. And I really owned up to myself on that. And, and what I mean by that is I told him it's all my fault because I let you affect me. Mm. And I let, I, I let those negative words and those negative memories affect the outcome of how my emotions are going to be, how my mental health is going to be. And I told him there and I set that boundary. I'm not going to let that happen anymore. Mm. You know, and that's something that's helped me grow. That's something that's helped me love even more. You know, after that, my father and I had a great relationship. Like it was, we were friends. Now I, 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 I saw him as a man. I saw him, you know, I, I understood his father was worse than him. Mm-hmm you know, and we, we found a mutual grounding, but I also let him know my boundary. You know, I, I let him know, like, you know, anything you say to me is not going to affect me anymore. If the, if it's a, is in a negative way, like I respect you, like I've learned so much from you, you know, you're the one that taught me how to work. My mother taught me why I work, you know, and, and, and y'all taught me so much to be the best man I can be, you know, and, and thank you for this opportunity. But at the same time, there's imperfections in everything, you know, and that, that was one of the big ones that that we grew up as a family there. Um, and I'm grateful for that. You know, we still have our struggles, you know, I still have my struggles with my pops, but I love them, you know, I, and and I'm grateful for him. But it wasn't until that moment that it helped me out with everything else. You know, it helped me out with my relationship, even with white people being around them, you know, and mm-hmm. um, because it was hard, but it also helped me also set that boundary of who I am. Like, you know, Selena's dad told her, Selena, you got to be more Mexican than the Mexicans and more American than the Americans because they're not going to accept you. They're going to call you gringos. Like I went to school in middle school in Mexico, like I told y'all, mm-hmm. they called me gringo over there mm-hmm. because I was born here. You yeah. know, they don't accept you, you know, and and then you're you're here and you're just like, they don't accept you either. You know, yeah. they want you deported. You know, they don't want you here. So it's just like, man. So now you're, I'm at that point where it's just like, then I have to be more Mexican than the Mexicans and more American than the Americans. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and I'm taking it back. You know, I want that. And um, that's something that's, that's helped me grow. But it, it had to start in me. It had to start even with that childhood trauma, owning up to it, mm-hmm. facing it, you know, and, and it helped me grow, letting whatever that trauma is, I'm not going to let you affect me anymore. And I'm not saying like it was a, a, a como se dice, de día de la mañana. So it's just like right. from this mm-hmm. day to the next day, like that, that, that change happens. It's a daily thing for me. Yeah. I still fight it, you know, but I know I'm strong and I know I can make it through. And, mm-hmm. you know, like once you have depression, you're always going to have it. You know, once yeah. you, once you have those thoughts, you always have those thoughts. But, but what we need to recognize is that we're stronger than when we were in those weak moments, you know, in those, in those lonely moments, you know, we're, we're a lot stronger, you know, we made it this far, we can make it a lot more mm-hmm. and just giving, giving yourself that strength, you know, letting, for me, it was, it was a revelatory moment. I was, I was on a cruise last year um, with my, with my family. I was grateful. Like we were in a good place. 
you know, this was the first time some Mexican family went on a cruise. Like, I couldn't <laughs> believe it, man. Like, yeah. I didn't know what vacations were as a kid. Yeah, you know, so we, I was, I was grateful. I was like, we got room service. What the hell is that? Like, yo, <laughs> like, it was cool. We were ordering fries, watching Disney movies and all that. Like, but, uh, and there was a moment where I just took some time for myself and I just looked at the sky and uh, it was beautiful sky, the ocean, you know, mm. it was a full moon. So you can see everything is lit. Oh, it's man. lit up and it's beautiful and you can, it's just infinite. Yeah. And, and there was just a moment where I was just like, God, like, man, I just, I need strength, man. You know, I've, I've been asking for this ever since I was a kid, mm. you know, and um, cause there's a lot of struggles, you know, that we go in here and it's just like, no one will understand you, but it's only you, you know, and, mm -hmm. and it's frustrating because you try to explain it, you can't. And so it was that moment where was, I was putting that faith in God, like, please, I hope you understand me in this, you know? And, um, you know, he responded back and, and he told me, Hey Max, like the strength has always been in you. Mm. And it was, it was just a, it was, it was, it was like a fire just got lit in me because it was just like, it's always been in me. You know, I made it this far because that little strength that I asked God, I thought he gave me. No, it was just in me. Mm -hmm. You know, when God's glory is us and if we let our our light shine, who we are, our essence, whoever we are, whatever we believe in, but we believe is good. That's coming from God and just let that shine. You know, our paths, everybody's paths, I've come to learn that everybody's paths is going to be completely different. You know, when you pray, Nate, and, and you find direction for you and your family, like, you're probably going to, I'm going to go right, you know, and I'm, I'm going to be like, when I'm praying for mine, it's going to be, I'm going to go left, you know. It's like everybody's path is different, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but if we all just cling to whatever is good for us, just go there, guys. God's gonna guide us, you know. And and that's where that's where I'm at. I'm I'm in a really grateful um, time in my life where I'm grateful for Him to to enlighten me about letting me know that the strength has always been in me. The 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 Mexican the fire that I have for being Mexican has always been in me. Like I I remember growing up with all the music that I listened to and mm. and all the experiences that I had, and now just putting it all together right now, and you know, um, and just accepting every part of me a, a good balance, you know, spiritually, materialistically, every kind of way. We all have to have that balance, and I don't know. It's it's been a it's been a growing process, and I'm not saying I'm perfect because I'm not, and. You know, like I said, I still have those daily battles, and um, but I'm I'm grateful for those for those moments now where I felt bullied, I felt ridiculed, I felt ashamed, I felt alone. You know, because they're helping me become and and be, you know, the the person I want to be and the 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 example I want to be to everybody, you know, and 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 to the world, you know, and the best way I could express that is actually through singing, you know, that's how I love to do it. Mm -hmm. But um, but yeah, sorry, I'm a I no, talk a lot, no, man. Really, wow, <laughs> can I chime in real quick? Yeah, 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 yeah wow. First off, beautiful, well said, right? Poetic. Amazingly said. I was just gonna say, um, you know how back in the day, like in the in the LDS church, they're like. There's always one person that this message was for. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was Elder uh -huh. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I feel like that. I feel like your message. Like I feel like I received it very a lot right now. You I know what I mean? Like it. I've been. I struggle a lot with depression, anxiety, and so I think like something about your message of like how you work through your own and like the daily battle, but also like owning your childhood trauma. I don't know. I just wanted to say like 
as a person who just received your message, I know I'm on the podcast with you, <laughs> but as a person who received your message, I'm grateful for you sharing it. And I know yeah. somebody else probably will be in the, as they listen as well. Oh, yeah. um, but I just had to chime in and, and say that because I really appreciated what you had to say. Thank you. As, as an interviewer. I, I really Absolutely. Did. Yeah, me too, man. I'm very grateful for you sharing. And like, I can relate to a lot, uh, you know, a lot of what you talked about with, especially with the, the part with your relationship with your father, because mm. like my friends know my relationship with my father is not good. Um, and it's through no fault of mine. Like I did everything that I could to, to help that relationship. And because of the type of person that he is, um, same thing. I, like, I will never be enough to satisfy like whatever, you know, his idea of, of a perfect son or perfect daughter or whoever is right. Um, just because like those expectations are always changing and evolving, but mm -hmm. now it's like melded with like his own issues to the point where it's like not even within like a, a realm of reason to where like there's no repairing that relationship unless he goes through like some drastic drastic changes and begins to see the world in a different point of view um but what you talked about with basically just like owning mm -hmm. um like owning your your mental health owning your identity i went through that same thing yeah and it, like it took some therapy for me to do that because i remember i carried a lot of anger with me all the time like anger yeah. at white people anger at myself anger at my parents like anger at like everyone around me and i remember talking with my therapist and i don't remember what i was venting about but i was just like this and this and this and my dad and this and that da, 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 da. and he's like it sounds like you want validation from your dad and i was like yeah i do want validation from my dad he's like well too bad you're not gonna get it and I was like, what i'm not gonna get the validation he's like yeah you're not going to get it from him and you need to accept that mm. and once i did that and i accepted oh shoot like I have to be myself and I also have to accept that he is going to be himself and that like, that's not going to change. Word. And so like once I realized, and I, like, I applied that to my entire life. <clears throat> so I realized I'm going to be me. People are going to be people. And if that doesn't mesh up, then that's okay. I don't have to allow that mm -hmm. into my life. I can allow things into my life that mesh with who I am as a person. Yeah. Um, and that, that took me on, like a, that that started a major journey for me mm. of like learning who I was, learning to accept myself, learning to accept the people around me. Um, but that began a major journey for me. So I, I can definitely relate yeah. to that. that same you journey. validated yourself, man. Yeah. Like that that was the, the most important person you need to validate because I, man, I, I seek so much attention from my dad. Like, you know, mm. like I wanted mm. his validation. Yeah. But you, you just come to recognize that the validation has to come from you. Like you mm. have to yeah. validate yourself mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. i'm proud of you max or i'm proud of you nate you know like mm -hmm. you you've come this far like you can make it farther mm -hmm. you know, so it's wow beautifully said right. by y'all yeah. yeah. i know I feel it's like, so interesting yeah. because like for me it's my mom i didn't grow up with my dad like in my house so for me it's like my mom yeah. who was that person uh -huh. for me um but it's interesting because a few months ago i got to a place one night and i was like my mom's never changing <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. there are certain things my mom does that would just tear, like, make me crazy growing up. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, oftentimes it correlated to, like, me feeling like I'm not good enough. And um, I eventually just had to realize, like, y'all are just mentioning, like, my mom is going to be my mom. Mm -hmm. Like, she has not changed in the last 23 years of my <laughs> life. Like, in this specific way, like, obviously yeah. she's changed, yes. Yeah, yeah. But, like, in this specific way, she hasn't changed. But it's like... But that's just who she is. You know what I mean? I feel like that's helped me give a lot more grace to a lot of people. Because mm -hmm. it's like, my girlfriend eats ice. 
All the time. Yo, me too. Bro, I love ice. Okay, so bad, I guess bro. a lot of people do love ice. Crazy on ice, always. And I, me and my family, we're not, we don't like smacking or like the sound of noise. Oh, yeah. This is something very minute. It right? feels but like irrational Yo, that's, that's Mexican too. Like, my dad always say, he's like, don't be eating like cows, like nope. mouth open. Like, we got hit right. with that mug. Or like, even like the... It's actually worse. Irrational, but there's actually it's like a genetic thing. Okay, like, well, I, I got it. Twenty three and me, and yeah, it's like a genetic thing where you like get irrationally angry at the sound of people eating. Yeah, yeah I, cool. me and my, my family, we definitely have that because yeah. me and my brother, we get drove like crazy about it. But it's like you have to just accept certain things. Like, yeah, some people mm-hmm. just eat loud. Some people just say this certain thing until you. They're not trying to make you feel like you're not good enough. Mm-hmm. But that's what you receive. Yeah. And I feel like that's what I realized with my mom too is like just how y'all mentioned is like my mom isn't trying to make me feel less than or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm receiving. Absolutely. Yeah. But it's like once I realized that though, like you said, it started me on my own. I'm still on the journey of repairing my relationship. But it's like that started me on my own journey as well. Of like, okay, like, cool. Okay, we can. I can do this actually because yeah. I'm not. I'm seeing you with a lot more grace. Yeah. And also like I would not have been as good with five kids at 26 so you know i have to get my grace where, where it lands anyways just wanted Absolutely. to chime in on that <laughs> and you're building from those good moments you know those good memories mm-hmm. you know because right and but also owning up to those those bad ones and not not letting those affect us anymore you know yeah. it, but it's a, it's a daily battle it man it's hey wow i feel like i've been Part of my healing process is just in this podcast. No, for real. I'm gonna talk this about is, this tonight with my people. <laughs> this is a very. I was not expecting to to be this edified. At I, all. I was honestly. Oh, I was like this because I'm my mental health has been really bad lately, mm. especially since everything happened. So I was like this close of not being like Nate. I don't know, bro. Yeah. But I was like, no, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna go. So I'm hey, I'm edified. Thank, thank, thank you for hey, thanks, thank you, thank you, Max, man. You you right. it up today. You got us on a good conversation, <laughs> right? I feel like it's the time for like the the look in the camera, the eye ring, the eye ring mouth smack. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Where like whenever he starts to tear up, you'd be like <laughs> smacking the microphone ASMR style. Y'all are enough. If you're watching the podcast, Absolutely. we love you. Yes. You are enough. Absolutely. And uh, hopefully you you've learned some things from what we talked about because we've just been going. Without paying any kind of attention to, all, to what we were talking, but it's about, been beautiful. It has been and very poetic. Yeah, and just remember, like saying it to the crowd, you know. Um, the power, the strength, the the fire has always been in you, mm-hmm. you know. And um, I I really really believe that now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it takes it it takes work, you know. Like you said, you went to therapy. I went to therapy, you know. Um, it takes work. We have to put our effort into it. But um, I, I'm one of those that's always late. I'm on Latino time, brown time, whatever. Oh, you know? You know? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's it's comforting to know that when you're late and somebody else is late, you're just like, ah, I got the buddy that's late with me. Like <laughs> yeah. we're good. We'll walk in together. Like we'll we'll take the fire together. You know right. what I'm saying? So it's right. it's super comforting to right. know that. Um, and, and I say this to everybody in the audience too, like you're not alone, mm. you know, um, maybe my experiences aren't the same, maybe you're not even similar, but you, just like, you're not alone, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and whatever you're going through, um, or just cling on to my words, like you are loved and, um, you are wanted here in this earth. Sorry, I get emotional, but it's just like, it, it just brings back all those, all, all those emotions back again, you know, as a kid, like. You are worth it because I feel like I'm telling it to to my little my little kid self, you know, like 
Max, tú sí eres un rey, tú sí lo puedes hacer, o sea, tú, tú puedes lograr todas las cosas que quieres lograr en esta vida, you know, mm. and, and I say that to, to, to my Latinx family, you know, um, whatever situation you're from and, and to everybody too, like, um, man, you're wanted and you're loved in this world, you know, and, and we want you here and, um, and yeah, like you're beautiful. Like one one of the things that impacted me, um, and we talked about this too, uh, Wakanda Forever. Oh yeah, yeah. There was I a, there was, an, there was an interview that Teno Cuerta had, and he he said he's just like I just wanna, I just wanna tell every brown little boy and girl, you know, that they're beautiful, hmm. that you can make it, you know, and and it, it's just beautiful knowing that and. And and the blessings that God has for us, for our people, mm. you know, even going back to that spirituality, one of the things that I've come to identify, and I really want to share this too, um, is, yo, we're literal descendants of the tribes of Israel. We're not adopted in this, you know, <laughs> our people, you know, just like your people are, like y'all were the closest to the savior, mm. you know, and I think that's beautiful. And and whatever we believe in, whatever religion, if whatever God, like at the end of the day, that greater spirit, like believe what you believe, mm. believe what's good, it'll lead you to to good. You know, God is light and He's in everywhere. And and that's one thing I believe that I've come to identify myself. Even um it's hard, especially talking about the topic of the LDS church, you know. Mm -hmm. Um But I do want to share this at least personally with me because my best friend asked me this too. It's like, oh, dude, why do you stay? You know, and, and and this is just for me. It's just um, what it says in that Book of Mormon, I really feel like it was meant for my people. You know, we're talking about the Native Americans. We're talking about the the, the Mexicans and their ancestors. We're talking about Mayans, Aztecs, Toltecas, Incas, you know, like all these tribes, like those blessings. I'm sorry, but white people were adopted with that, with those blessings. But, those blessings were for our people. Like it's not, it's not a coincidence that there's more colored people here in Utah. Like have y'all, have y'all noticed that there's like, even like a lot of wards growing like Latino wards. There's like a ton of them and it's just like super cool. And, and the reason why I say is, yeah, there are things I don't agree with, you know, but sometimes change has to come from the inside, you know? And, and I feel, and now I do it just for, Like I just felt like a, a personal, just identifying with that, you know, with the with the Book of Mormon, at least with the, with more in an indigenous way, you know, and and practicing religion how my ancestors practiced it, not like a Western civilization practicing religion, like you know, even getting more in tune with who I am, where mm -hmm. where my ancestors come from, and yeah. and and that's why I say like I'm excited with this path that I'm in, you know, because it's helping me understand that my path is completely different than everybody else's right. mm -hmm. and and there's so many good people and that's one thing that even i want to say even to the members of the church watching you know um i'm sorry but saints aren't just in the mormon church there are saints everywhere mm -hmm. and 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 they might have different deities they might have different beliefs <laughs> or whatever But saints are just good people, and I, I really want them to to see that and understand that that you know you're not the only ones in this world. You know we all have our struggles, we all go through our things, and um, that's that's one thing that's helped me at least bridge that gap, especially with that hate with like you know the white people, you know, and mm -hmm. but also understanding 
you know, where I come from and, and those strengths. Like I've had cool experiences going to the pyramids in, mm-hmm. um, it's just crazy going to the pyramids in uh, Chichen Itza. I also want to go to the pyramids in Guatemala. Like they're beautiful, really you know, cool. like the ones in, um, the ones in Mexico city, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Teotihuacan. Mm-hmm. And um, there, there's a, a pyramid of Quetzalcoatl and they call him Quetzalcoatl and they call him the, the the feathered serpent you know mm-hmm. the, the the white feathered serpent that came and said he was going to come again you know mm-hmm. and uh it was just cool seeing like just like the the cool different experiences like you see the temple and then there's like 12 temples around that mm-hmm. you know and it's just it, it's super cool you know that and cool, yeah. it, it's interesting but um but yeah that's just one thing i wanted to share like that's that's one of the beautiful things that's because Another another part was actually just hatred towards, you know, even in the members of the church. Mm. So I had to own up to a lot of that stuff yeah. and and also letting them know, like, I'm not going to let a lot of the ignorant things that I grew up with affect me anymore. I'm going to be who I'm going to be. I'm going to believe what I believe is right, you know, and, and I think that's important for everybody to know, too. Like, if you believe in something and that's your fire, clean on to it, make that happen, Yeah, you know, and um, whatever it is. You know, God made you unique in your own unique way. So let that uniqueness shine. Like I was just on my way here. I was just thinking about like, I was just like, if if people aren't agreeing with you, then you're doing something. Like if if people are aren't talking smack about you or or mm. or not agreeing with you, then maybe you're doing something wrong. Like you have to have that oppositeness because you have to know that I'm on a different path and people aren't gonna think the same way I am. But you know and. But it's just holding on to to whatever that belief is, you know, and mm. and and accepting all those all those things we grew up with. But yeah, sorry, like I said, I talk a no, lot, man. Good, man. Honestly, <laughs> hey, I'm just listening. Right. Just, just listening. sitting here. Mm-hmm. It's probably we probably do need to wrap it up though. <laughs> yeah, no, honestly, yeah. I've enjoyed. One thing I love about talking with people is. You hear some of the most beautiful things. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think when you give somebody a mic, like. After a while, they start saying some very beautiful things. You know what I mean? Sometimes, you know, well, not <laughs> always. If, if you, as long as you're not on BYU campus. <laughs> <laughs> on the curb though, next time, to it. Yeah, yeah. you're going to say some things. Right. They don't say beautiful things. No, but life. like, I feel like a lot of people, people just have beautiful stories. Yeah. And I think as we mm-hmm. all individually grow, like the reflections that come from those stories end up being so beautiful. And I just like hearing them because the reality is we all have... We go through different experiences and take the same feelings. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, we're all going to take some anxiety, some depression, some happiness, some sadness, some whatever it is, some regret from every, like, from these different situations that we have in life. And I think, like, that's, like, part of that healing process almost is you hearing other people's stories, connecting with them, and now you get to learn, okay, I can grow by potentially doing what they did. You know what I mean? Like, okay, maybe, maybe I do need to do that. Um, anyways, I just think it's it's beautiful to listen. Um, and I've been feeling that this interview for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Max, you got anything else you want to contribute? No, man. You? If I start talking again, I ain't gonna stop. <laughs> <laughs> I might even start singing, man. Like, hey, when, when you say when you speak emotion through the mic, it's just like when you hit right. that mic, I was just like, yo, that's me with singing, like that. You know, anyways, but yeah. Beautiful. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, if that's the case, then let's jump into recommendations. Shall we? Sebastian, you want to go first? I can. I can. My last recommendation was very good, in my opinion. Right, it was cool. about Slurpees. But today, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to change it up. Today, I'm going to change it up. Today, I'm going to go with... 
Ooh, what should my recommendation? I had one earlier, so let me let me get it get it to my brain. Mm. I'm going. I can go in the meantime. You go in the meantime. All right, cool. Before I come up with mine. So, my recommendation for this week, I'm gonna just keep it simple, is to go out and like reconnect with nature and really take advantage mm. of this like these last few warm Speak days. On that, that's man. Before that's facts. it gets cold, right? yep. and I I love the cold personally. Like I I enjoy being in cold weather. I grew up in Michigan and like some of my favorite days were days when like the Michigan snow would fall and you just heard nothing. And I literally like those mm. would be my, I used to go, I used to walk to the gym, um, to, like to the local rec center and play basketball. Um, but I would like walk and I would like wrap myself up. I'd have like a, a scarf wrapped around my face and I'd just be walking through the snow like a mile and a half maybe. Wow. And it would just be like completely quiet. It's cool. And like those times were some, like, some of the times that I just found the most peace. Just like being outside in the cold, right? Uh, but, you know, it's still warm out right now or warmer. Just go outside and take a chance to just really enjoy, like, the beauty of nature. There's so much, like, beauty and peace and spirituality yes. within nature. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just an amazing way to connect. Um, That's a good recommendation. Yeah. And also, you know, there are natural things that you can do <laughs> that, <laughs> that increase the, the experience that you have. <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, but, and, but yeah, those things just, they, you know, they, they always make me very reflective and just make yeah. me able to, um, you know, like one, some, one of the times I'm most reflective is like when I'm around a campfire, hmm. I don't know what it is about fire, but that, that should be making you think, man, you should be real. sitting there staring into the flames, just yeah, like, for real. evaluating your entire life. So take this time to go out in nature and just enjoy these last few days of warmth that we have. That's my recommendation. That's a great recommendation. Yeah. Um, I sat in the mountains for like two two hours today. Okay, yeah. Um, it was beautiful. Okay, I have my the, recommendation. Did you hike the why? Um, <laughs> I drove up because <laughs> I don't really walk that much. Um, yeah, my recommendation is this actually: um, is go to local high school sport games. Let's go. Let's yeah, those like, get wild. I love. I forgot how much I loved high school sports. Mm. Because when you're going to high school sports, this is everything to these kids. Yeah. Like, their whole world is their sport. And their parents sometimes. And, <laughs> and their parents sometimes. Let's be real. <laughs> and um, my brother's a track coach at a high school. And so today I was just at a soccer game. And last week I was at a volleyball game. It was just so refreshing. You know what I mean? If you love sports, I, I love sports. It's super cheap and it's very easy to do just to experience like, okay, like a fun, eventful, but also like a, you know, it's a quick two, three hour thing. And you can just watch some sports for like, Two dollars, mm. and you can cheer on some kids. So it's always that's good. So that's my recommendation. Go. Love it, love it. All right, Max. All right, my recommendation. All you. Yo, you, um, you talking about nature? I um. So I right now just to to support all the singing things and all, all the dreams I got going. I'm actually uh, working in a roofing company. Oh, so cool. shout out to Powerhouse Roofing. I just got to give that shout out to my buddy. <laughs> you see, like, you need your yeah, roof done. Yeah, he's, he's <laughs> helped me out actually. Uh, just just been a good example with me to use that drive, make that, make impossible things happen. And, um, uh, one thing we've, we've been doing actually as a team, we've been going every Monday and, and polar plunging in the Provo river. Oh wow. oh wow! And it's just been, it's been a, a crazy experience kind of finding comfort and, mm. and, and, and joy in a really uncomfortable, really cold yeah. situation, mm-hmm. you know, and that's maybe that's one thing. Yeah. That's one thing I recommend is is, is find that uncomfortableness and do that, do it, find a comfort in the uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that's 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 one thing I recommend. That's one thing I'm trying to work on um, every day. Just, you know, those uncomfortable things that we know we need to do, like follow your gut, like, you know what you need to do, do it, you know, and and do that uncomfortable thing. And maybe to to train yourself into following more of, of, of that essence of you, you know, go outside and do some uncomfortable things that you might be scared of, you know, if it's skydiving, go skydiving, you know, or, mm. or whatever. You know, go out in the cold, you know, yeah. bundle up, but find a, a piece in it, you know, um, that. And I also recommend y'all go in because my mom works hard for this. Like she she has a Mexican restaurant. My parents have a Mexican restaurant. Oh. So go to Brasa's Mexican Grill. Like I'm That's not. Theirs? Yeah, I'm not kidding. I, like I, I've been to Brasa's. They've, they've always they've good. always promoted this by word of mouth. They, they're old fashioned, so they never like market it. Yeah. And, and we've actually been scammed by a lot of marketers. Oh, wow. BYU wow. students. But wow. uh, um, yeah, anyways, my dad got tired of it. So it's just always yeah. been word of mouth. Anyways, um, shout out to her because she she works day and night mm. for that restaurant to stay afloat and to and, and to be the good quality that it is. Like there really is, at least in the county, like no other restaurant that has an original menu. Mm. I don't know if that makes sense. Like yeah. original items yeah and so i recommend y'all go in there go go try the aztec french fries man those fries are so good like y'all going to rancheritos go there and get some better (laughs) french fries like for real man and there's like a tijuana burrito which is like carne asada with uh onions tomatoes chipotle sauce and mayonnaise you know get get that mouth water you go to brasa's mexican girl like i'm telling you come on everybody go Go next week. this weekend but yeah i recommend you literally going so let's go i will go absolutely yeah, I, I, I've seen it so many times. <laughs> yeah. So when you say it, I'm yeah, like, I all the time. yeah, I know what that is. Uh-huh. I think they have a, I haven't worked there in a minute, but like, I think from four to five, they have a happy hour. Okay. <laughs> Not with the margaritas, but with, uh, <laughs> with the taquitos. So they're, they're okay. about to get one free. Okay. So let's go. Well, like, I you know, know, yeah, absolutely. Uh-huh. We should actually. We're going to have a Black Menaces Day. At, at <laughs> no, for real. We should get it. We can get let me know, and I'll tell well, my mom to like section yeah. out like everything, yeah, and, we can, and and we can have that, that out for y'all sure. to celebrate. Yeah, that'd be sure. cool. I'll even sing for y'all too. I'll right, just be up there, you know. We please sing do. Together. We can. Yo, Nate has a voice. He does. He Oof. does. He sings very well. Also, I gotta say before I forget, jumping into the Provo River on an October morning is crazy. Insane, because that hole was frigid in July, <laughs> and you out here going every week because <laughs> we were suffering. Right. I listen. That's I commend you for that. For real. That's, that's some bravery right there. The Indeed. best I can do is take a hot shower and then I turn it a little bit at a time until it's cold. <laughs> no, right. And then I, I get out. I, I put my so face under, after I wash my face, I put, I, I rinse it off with cold water. That's like, that is my favorite plunge. I'm the same way, especially when it goes down your back. Like it, that's why it was super uncomfortable for me. But mm-hmm. you know, we, we started doing this on Mondays because Monday is the hardest day. Yeah. Monday's the day we hate the most. Ain't it? And mm-hmm. if you don't start it good, you're probably not going to have a good week. It's not, it, it's just, it's how your attitude is. So if you start out your day, a Monday morning, you know, going at 6 a.m., jump in that uncomfortableness, do something that you're not comfortable with, you have a win. You know, you won the day already. So now it's just consistent wins. Give yourself more opportunities just to do little wins, little little tests like that. And, that you know, dope. it's it's helped me. Like, honestly, when I noticed that when I when I don't go on the polar plunge, and how my week is in performance in every kind of way, like, you know, spiritually at work and everything to when I do, mm. it's it's a different change, you know, because I started a Monday with a win, That's you know, I so like that. it is, yeah, good stuff. Well, you got anything else? I got nothing. Cool. With that, we good. We appreciate y'all. We love y'all. You are enough. The strength and the power is within you. Come on. And uh, with that, we'll catch y'all next week. Bye-bye. Amen. Let's go.
That was powerful.